You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Susan Dory. Susan, thanks so much for being with me today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Susan, let's talk about your show, Spontaneous Sites. We're talking on March 2nd in 2023, and this show is running uh, for another week until March 11th in 2023. Uh, this is um, a show that's, that's well, let's, let's talk about just the title to begin with, um, Spontaneous Sites. Uh, I, I love that title and feel like that's almost a way I'd like to, to live or something. Can you tell me about the title and how that relates to the work? Sure. Right. Well, thanks. Yes, yeah, Spontaneous Sites, um, I guess it refers mostly to, uh, well, really when, especially in the studio, you know, it seems that everything seems to come together kind of these moments of clarity in the studio, kind of when the stars align and you just kind of know, you have this kind of knowing that what you're up to is, you know, you're going in the right direction. You know, really kind of the things that keep us working and seeking, really. And so let's, let's I mean, to move a little in, into that and go through some of them, there's one called Polestar One. And, and these are, of course, you know, heavily geometric paintings in some ways, although the, although the forms seem almost organic sometimes. Um, this is acrylic on canvas and yeah, is, is, is about five by five feet. Uh, it seems that part of what's happening here is there's all these things happening with space, right? A maze is sort of uh, flat, and, or, or how I think of it, right? Like pencil mazes, the kind of ones you'd move through with, you know, by, by drawing. But this has, um, it seems to be a tremendous amount of depth, almost like... Uh, different windows or, uh, or dividers, like we're going back and forth in what seems like almost an optical illusion, right? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess I should probably talk about um, a big inspiration for this work. This is an idea that I've kind of been mulling over for a long time now, um, that really informs all of the work, not only just this Polestar One, but I think it'll make sense going forward when we talk about the work, um, is this idea of, uh, among other ideas, this one particular idea called Indra's Net. Indra's Net. It's kind of a, an idea, of, like a metaphor in um, Eastern philosophy that is an attempt, kind of a humble attempt to you know, describe the universe, the infinite, right? So it's this you imagine a net that is, you know, vast, it's endless, and at each intersection of the net, there is a knot, and at each of those knots that ties the net together, there hangs a crystal jewel, a clear crystal jewel, and then, so, you, you know, there are just infinite numbers of these jewels that are then responding to any kind of movement, they're reflecting each other, you know, it's, it's just such a mind-blowing metaphor that I've, I've never really been able to, you know, kind of get my mind around how I would bring it to the studio work. But that's, that's something that's happening in a lot of this work, um, this, especially this kind of front, you know, the, the, this kind of net, this kind of grid, this kind of veiled um, front kind of top surface. Um, the things that are going under, underneath as far as like the geometry and the kind of pushing and the pulling 
um, it's it's really very much so about um, color relationship and um, and very much so about kind of process. So as the and work is developing, oh, go ahead. No, no, you go, you go on, you go on. I want to ask you more about process, but go on as the work is developing. Well, I mean, it's just like I, I have these ideas of, you know, what I think that I want to do. Um, I have this palette that I think that I want to do. This is kind of referring more to process. And then, you know, as the work, as the work goes, as the work develops, you know, throughout the various layers and things, you know, things just, you know, are kind of revealed, um, especially in, like, color, really, the, the relativity of color and, and how how color affects other color. And so, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on in the process of the work. Um, this painting in particular, you know, I was really trying to have a very limited palette, which as you can see, I mean, people who are listening can't see the work, um, didn't really happen. <laughs> um, because of, of the way the color, the way the color activated. And for the listeners, there's links here and, and images so they can see some of what we're talking about. The, um, but yeah, it's, it's always kind of, you know, to talk about work is, is, is so different to hear it than to, to see it at the same time. I, 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 think, I think to talk a little bit more about those, those layers and that, that kind of infinite quality I think is really interesting because you're also beginning to talk about kind of color theory, right? To look at one like meshing right. um, is um, 60, another acrylic on canvas, 60 by 52. These are um, really large pieces. So here, yeah, there's there's that kind of infinite space you're talking about, which also is something that um, in the, the the kind of color field artists and, and 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 artists that are using geometry from Joseph Albers to to, to Andy Albers to so right. many others are right. are reaching for that a little bit, aren't they? Isn't there this thing of um, not this thing, but this idea of of there being kind of limitless space of the of the painting the picture plane being a space that you can kind of walk into endlessly. I mean, you know, uh, of course, Kusama's very well known infinity room is an aspect of of that, right? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's, I'm happy you mentioned the elders because um, I mean, I just you know, I really relate to his um, you know the interaction of color that kind of pedagogical book that, you know, is, it just really lays it out. I mean, um, just the, the relation, the, the relativity of color, right? I mean, you know, color as um, relational. At any given time, color can make, you know, and have numerous readings or takes, right, depending on light, depending what color is next to it. You can never actually isolate one color. You know, there's always something. I mean, there are instruments and things that you can do that, you know, in labs and things, but, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just so amazing to me how, how color is, is um, just so mutable, right? And so when you're working, there's always kind of that, like you feel, oh, like I'm, you know, I'm going to start a painting and I'm going to have, you know, this semblance of kind of control. I'm going to lay out these variables, especially like my palette. But then as you get going, it's just kind of like all hell breaks loose. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I love that. I love that Joseph Elvers and Annie Elvers with her weavings and how all of her work, is, you know, I mean, super inspirational. But also, like, I think, you know, along with kind of Indra's net and, you know, talking about other artists, it's like 
um, this work also, I was really able to finally um, pay homage to an artist that I'm um, from very early on was just so enamored with and still am and just have developed a relationship with over time is Agnes Martin. And mm. um, yeah, and you know, I mean, she she's just so, I mean, reliably restrained, right? I mean, she's just, yet there's such expansive and infinite qualities to her work, you know? And so I was always so amazed at that kind of um, dichotomy that could exist with her work, you know? And so I've always been kind of grappling with that. And then, you know, me, I'm just like an absolute, you know, her minimalist. And, uh, you know, me, I'm an absolute, you know, especially the color, I'm a total maximalist. I never knew how I was going to really kind of reconcile or just even broach that subject in the studio, right? And, and it just seems like kind of with this work, I was able to really, you know, delve more into that kind of avenue of thinking. Yeah, that, that's so interesting. And, and yeah, and Agnes Martin is, is um, yeah, of course, such, a, is such an influential figure that makes sense. And I mean, there's an interpretation here, of course, that's, you know, as with any artist, uh, a kind of vision that's wholly yours, but, but drawing on those traditions is, is really fascinating to talk about. The, the painting Arena is one that's um, another large work, and, and, and not quite monochromatic, but there's, there's not as many colors in this. Um, I'd love to talk about this in relation to those artists that you just mentioned, and maybe even um, this painting made me think of, uh, since we're referencing other things, uh, painters like Bridget Riley, too, who, you know, there's kind of an optical effect here. I don't know if that happened really with Agnes Martin, but your work has this almost sort of um, something hypnotic happening there, something almost, I don't know whether it's neurological or exactly what op art does, where sometimes paintings seem to kind of undulate or, or, or move. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, with, with Arena, um, that, it was kind of an interesting shift in this body of work because... Um, I, there's, there is a lot of underpainting, you know, and I do work in a lot of layers, um, but um, I was trying to kind of bring the underpainting more to the surface, kind of having this kind of more of a melding, more of a overall effect, and um, I knew I wanted to do that, and I knew that I wanted to have this idea of, um, and this, this, the images that have been taken of Arena as all artwork, you know, I mean, you really can't see what I'm going to be speaking about super clearly. Just, that's just, I work, you know, in all these different layers of acrylic paint that's been combined with um, mediums. And so there, it's, you know, kind of the consistency of house paint. So which is to say that when I do finally get to this final surface, this final layer, um, the color that is laid down, there's, there's really quite a topography to the surface um, that, you know, photography can't really capture. But also with this, this kind of final layering of, of the surface, the surface layer, I wanted to, which you can sort of see in the photograph, but there was this kind of gradation from the, from the top to the bottom. There was more of a kind of a tenting along the way as I created this kind of these grid structures. So there's kind of a more of a darker gradation at the bottom and it becomes lighter at the top, which isn't totally captured in this photograph. But, but anyway, just in the sense of having, it's, you know, it definitely does have a more restrained kind of minimal quality, this painting. Um, 
and there's an underpainting, part of the underpainting um, kind of uh, harkened back to some uh, way I used to work a long time ago, which was kind of with um, uh, airbrushes and aerosol uh, work, uh, paint. And my son is a graffiti artist, and he was here this summer visiting us, and he left behind um, a lot of paint. And I... I just, you know, it was in the studio, and I was just like, you know what, I'm going to access that again, you know. And uh, it's kind of more ethereal, kind of, uh, you know, softer underpainting that comes from that. And, and it's kind of, a, I don't know if you can see, but, you know, there's, there's this kind of grid structure, this larger grid supporting this kind of surface grid. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, you can see that. That's that's um that's so interesting. And so you know, to, to talk about this, there's this this process that you're using with is you know with with gels and medium creating this this surface, as as I think you were saying. Um, and then there's the, the the content of all this, right? When when viewers are looking at these these kind of um, works that are, as you said earlier, in, in a sense, reaching for the infinite. What, what is the experience? I mean, Agnes Martin talks about a variety of things or, or, or artists like Ed Reinhardt or Motherwell or Albers, right, from the, the spiritual or somewhere around there to the more kind of technical or um, – but something that's about an interior experience, right? Something that's – as opposed to a narrative, yeah. of course, a story. Something's happening here perceptually that um, – that does what? How do you read that? Is is that bringing us into a more interior world? Is that is this a purely visual phenomena, or or, or do you see the content there as being about um, I don't know another another type of uh, thinking or perceiving? Yeah, that's a really great question. I mean, I I I would hope for that. I would hope that um, the work can be uh, a means for a more inward, you know, reflection for people, of course. Um, I feel like, you know, there are kind of two parts of process for me in working. There's the process of, you know, I'm definitely a process painter, so what does that mean? You know, you think initially about, about uh, materials, and, um, which is huge. I mean, I'm, in, I'm a huge materials, um, you know, connoisseur. I mean, I love paint. I love, you know, all the ways the different applications of paint. And that's kind of a, con- a continuity, kind of a thread and, and throughout all the different bodies of work that I've been doing is this kind of um, experimentation, exploration with paint purely on its, for its own sake, right? And so I feel like, you know, you, you go into the studio, you have this idea of, you know, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to set this out. And it's really important for me to have these kind of feelings, this kind of semblance of like control (laughs) where I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. These are the ideas I'm thinking about. I kind of put it all on the table. I lay everything out. But then it's kind of part two in the process because as things begin to roll, you know, um, I mean, I really do try to get out of my own way in the sense of the mind you know, being an excellent uh, servant, but a terrible master, you know, I mean, I really try to get out, I have all the thinking, uh, on, you know, front loaded, right, and then I try to kind of get out of my way, 
kind of, um, you know, you know, bring up a, you know, internal kind of antenna and, you know, try to come to a more receptive state. So, you know, so that, and then see what happens because there are a lot of things that happen um, that you can't plan, you don't know why it happened. You know, people talk about like these kind of happy accidents, but I mean, I, I don't know if it really is that. I mean, I just feel like there's kind of a coming together of things that you can create a, an atmosphere where you're able to kind of tap into that. Right, right. That makes sense. And, and, and I'd like to speak about one more before we go called The Secret Cave of the Heart One, um, another painting that's part of this series that, um, that has a very different palette to it. And there's a couple of things happening there that I thought maybe we could address. One is the title, The Secret Cave of the Heart, seems uh, you know, very specific somehow. And this one with the with the reds and the, and the colors seems, seems kind of pulsing in a, in, in a different way than the others. Um, you know, that's um, yeah. probably because of this palette, because of these, these particular colors. But yeah, do want to comment on that, that title and that this is an unusual palette here, right? Yeah, it's a really unusual palette for me. Red is so challenging for me. And, um, um, it was really a uh, it was really an attempt to kind of reconcile my reticence with working with red and um, and I mean I feel like it was successful um, I don't know if I'd do it again <laughs> um, but it was it was really it was really kind of a wrangling on a lot of levels um, the secret cave of the heart is uh, something that kind of again. I'm, I'm really interested in uh, kind of Eastern philosophy and a lot of levels. And it's this, it's this again, a more of a metaphor, kind of a, uh, a, uh, an idea to con- uh, contemplate where perhaps um, the secret cave of the heart is an area where, you know, kind of that what animates us exists. So, you know, whatever you want to call that. Um, and so, you know, that to me is, is just, again, pretty magical and, um, and is something that just is, can take you a lot of different places, um, especially for me in the studio. I like that. I think that's a nice, a nice place to, to leave it, talking about these paintings. I'm, I'm so appreciative of your time talking about these. And I want to ask you one more question before we go that's a little off topic. I'm always curious what you're what you're reading. What are you reading at the moment? Right. Um, I I kind of have a couple different things going. Um, I just finished this amazing the fiction. I'm not I'm away from fiction a bit um, recently, but it's called Foster by Claire Keegan. Just bracing and oh god, it's such an incredible book. Um, but I'm also reading Breath by James Nestor. Highly recommend it. It's really something everyone should read and have knowledge about. And then I'm reading a book called uh, by Edwin F. Bryant. He's an endologist at Rutgers. Um, it's called Bhakti Yoga. Amazing. Mind-blowing. Wow. Thanks so much. Those sound like great recommendations. Susan, I want to thank you again for the time you spent today. I really appreciate your work, and I wish you the best with, the, with this show. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.